Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The morning of February the 15th, um, I got up early, brought my wife coffee in bed, and then we had our Valentine's celebration. I gave her a card. She gave me a card. I think that the Valentine's Day was always a very special day for her. He painted a picture of, of lovers. He talked about how, how sweet and caring and tender they were with each other. She wrote me a card, said I was the most important person in her life, and she loved me very much that morning. After the breakfast, Alec McNaughton told us that he went to his mother's house in Sandy Springs, Georgia, about 35 miles away. Hey, baby, it's me. I'm uh, leaving mother's house. I'm, I love you. I'm back. Alex said that when he arrived home that, that evening, he found that all the lights were off. I walked through the house. I called out her name. I turned the corner and went to her office, and I saw her on the floor. I saw blood under her arm, the blood on the wall. So I called 911. 911, I'm for your emergency. I need help right now. I just got home. My wife's on the floor with blood all over. And I don't think she's breathing. When I walked in, uh, the first thing I noticed was uh, cast off blood that ran up the wall. I noticed that there was a large pool of blood on the floor around her body, and I could see cuts in her clothing, and I could see, you know, open, gaping wounds where she had been stabbed on her torso. My sister called me, and she was frantic, and she basically said that the Coweta County Police Department needs us to come down, that something's happened to mom. I called my mom's phone, no answer. Called the house, no answer. Called Alex's phone, he answered. He was crying and I said, Alec, Alec, what's going on? Your mother. Your He's like, your mom, your mom. Like he couldn't finish what he was saying. Your mother's gone, honey. Your mother's gone. I got another call from my sister. And again, she was frantic and she said, mom's dead, mom's dead. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? I was in complete shock. 
I felt paralyzed. It was unreal. When they conducted a search warrant on the house, they began to find evidence. We did come upon a place in the back of the closet. There were some objects there that were separate. They weren't shoes, they weren't clothes. It was a bag and some cameras. It was a critical piece of evidence. She did, in fact, speak from the grave. I'm Richard Schlesinger. Every picture tells a story. When I first walked into the home, there wasn't any signs of forced entry. There were no broken door locks drawers weren't pulled out, clothing items hadn't been tossed around the house. Criminal investigator Jason Fentner was only 29 and had just started working homicides in Coweta County, Georgia, not far from Atlanta. Miss McNaughton was wearing jewelry, gold and diamond jewelry on her person that had not been broken or ripped off or stolen. This was his first major murder case, and it was a doozy. It looked like a horror house that you might go in on Halloween. Kathy McNaughton had been stabbed more than 30 times. What took place? What kind of murder? But she was a most unlikely victim. By all accounts, Miss McNaughton was a really nice person with no enemies. Everybody loved her. She was definitely chatty, very chatty. We called her Chatty Kathy. Michelle Mendenhall is Kathy's youngest daughter. She always saw the best in people, always gave people the benefit of the doubt. Kathy had retired after a long career at Delta Airlines and was in training to join an investment firm. She worked from the bottom up at Delta when she started. So your mother was really sort of a self-made woman. She was. She always was independent, financially independent. She used to always say, don't rely on a man, you know, financially. But emotionally, she was not as independent as she would have liked. After nearly 21 years of marriage, Kathy got a divorce. I don't think she thought in her middle age she'd be divorced. Heather Mendenhall is Kathy's oldest daughter. It's kind of like I'm 50 years old and, you know, I'm lonely. Her two adult daughters were on their own. Kathy dated, but there was no one special. She wanted to be happy and grow old with somebody. She went looking for love online. And that's where Kathy met Alec McNaughton a lawyer from Enid, Oklahoma. She was intelligent, she was well-read, well-traveled. We had a lot of those things in common. I mean, love is something that just happens. There's not a whole lot of logic to it sometimes. Alec McNaughton was 55. He'd been married three times, and Kathy fell for him quickly and hard. They had dated for about five, six months, and then they were already talking engagement. We definitely questioned, like, Mom, don't you think this is a little too fast? And she'd just be like, well, I, you know, he's it. He's it. He's my soulmate. And then, on November 15th, 2004, less than one year after they met, Kathy and Alec became husband and wife. It was a small wedding. My mom wore a big white dress. Was that out of character for your mother? I mean, did, did she do things quickly, impulsively? No. So what did you make of this? I thought that she was happy. 
There were some problems. McNaughton told Kathy he was having trouble getting his Georgia law license, so he became a car salesman. But they managed. How was the marriage? Very good. You were happy together? We were. But the good times ended when McNaughton's daughter, Alexis, from a previous marriage, was killed in a car accident at the age of 22. This girl was a showstopper. Columbia University, women's studies major, had interned with Hillary Clinton. She was going somewhere. What did that do to you? Well, it almost killed me. Uh, I went into a, a depression. Did that affect your marriage? Oh, uh, yeah. It affected me. And, and uh, you don't recover from something like that. My wife saved my life. And when police questioned him after the murder, McNaughton told them he and Kathy were still very much in love. I loved her to the, to the, the depths of my heart. He told me that he didn't know what happened to his wife and that he wanted to find out. But I want you to find whoever killed my wife, okay? You know what? Police spent hours with an emotional McNaughton over the next couple of days. I got nothing ever when my life's over. It was important to go over the details involving his daily activities so that we could exonerate him and move on to find out who did murder his wife. McNaughton told police where he had been that day. He said he left his home sometime around 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. that day. He said he went to his mother's about an hour away, and he had left Kathy this message on their home answering machine saying he'd arrived there. Hey, honey, it's me. I'm up at Mother's. I love you, baby. Bye. McNaughton also told Fetner that he did not return home until 7.30 p.m. when he discovered his wife's body. He was very specific about the time frame that he gave to the authorities. McNaughton seemed to have a solid alibi. He was cooperative and had willingly locked himself into a timeline that investigators could now check. He was allowed to leave the sheriff's office, and I believe he went and stayed with his mother. As the victim's husband, of course there was reason to suspect McNaughton, but there was no physical evidence against him. I didn't see any blood on him. There was no blood on his hands. There was no blood on his clothes. Jason Fentner had to figure it all out. What you've got is no murder weapon. You have a husband that's a former attorney that says he didn't do it and a woman who's been stabbed to death. It's not your traditional crime scene. And there was one other thing to consider. Kathy's ex, who lives in Texas. That's true, she does have an ex-husband. It was their wedding anniversary that day. He was in town that day. What was his motive? He's jealous. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Don't waste time on apps that don't work. Babbel's conversation-based teaching prepares you for real-life situations. 
And studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash truecrime. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash truecrime, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash truecrime. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Long before Kathy met Alec McNaughton, she was married to an airline pilot, Gary Mendenhall, and their daughter, Heather, remembers a happy childhood. I think that we were a pretty typical American family. Two working parents, two kids, lived in suburbia, good schools. But the relationship was troubled. Eventually, Kathy and Gary divorced, and he moved to Texas. From time to time, Mr. Mendenhall would come to the Atlanta area on business or to visit with his daughters. Sheriff's investigator, Jason Fentner. And he happened to be in town on the day after Valentine's Day. The day Kathy McNaughton was murdered. And one of the first things Mr. McNaughton did is begin throwing out a list of people that he, quote, highly suspected. I think somebody that knew her went there with that purpose. Gary Mendenhall was on McNaughton's list. Tell me what you told the police. I said, look, I, I can't imagine who would kill Kathy. She's nice and sweet. The only person I know she's ever had a problem with is her ex-husband. Fentner called Mendenhall in for an interview. What is your relationship to Kathy McNaughton? Uh, I'm the ex-husband. I was married to Kathy for approximately 21 years. Why did you get divorced? For irreconcilable differences. As they talked, Fentner noticed something interesting about Mendenhall. He had a cut on his hand. What happened to your thumb? Oh, right there. I was, I was cleaning up Heather's uh, apartment here yesterday and washing the countertop, and I caught the, some kind of rack she had there. Mm. Tore it up. It takes forever for those to heal. Oh, I know. When you stab somebody 31 times like the killer murdered my wife, your hand slips down the knife and you cut your hand. Gary Mendenhall's dominant right thumb was cut. And there were some other potentially troubling things about Mendenhall, according to prosecutor Kevin McMurray. He drove a silver car. There was a silver car seen at the residence. A silver car was seen leaving Kathy's home the day she was murdered, and Gary Mendenhall had rented a silver car that very day. But Alec McNaughton also drove a silver car. Two men with two alibis. Rookie homicide investigator Jason Fentner had his work cut out for him. I'm looking at it and saying, I need to make sure I'd run down all these different leads. The first priority was figuring out when Kathy McNaughton died. The medical examiner could not establish a time of death, so police turned elsewhere. From the phone records, we determined that Kathy McNaughton had a call from inside her house 
to her friend in California. And that phone call ended at 11.55. So we knew Kathy McNaughton had to be alive at 11.55 a.m. McNaughton had already given investigators a detailed account of his whereabouts that day, and he told them he left home between 11 a.m. and noon. Alec McNaughton also told investigators he was at his mother's house about an hour away when he left Kathy a phone message at about 2.30 p.m. There's one problem with that story, though. That cell phone tower right over there, tower number 309. The critical piece, the, the piece that matters, is that cell phone call was originated on Tower 309, a tower that is less than two miles from his house. And that tower is 40 miles from his mother's house. So Mr. McNaughton is not at his mother's house when he's calling his home phone. Investigators believe they had caught McNaughton in a lie, and they wanted to know why an innocent man would be lying about the day his wife was murdered. Where were you when you made that call at 2.33? And think about this, because it's important. Um, I was at my mother's house. The police were quite certain when they found these cell phone records that they had caught you in a lie. That's right, and they made a big deal about me lying. Now, I didn't lie about anything in this case. McNaughton insists the phone records, no matter what they show, are just plain wrong. But Fentner was starting to poke more holes in McNaughton's story. Listen to the 911 call. She's not moving, and she's not breathing, and her eyes are not moving. She won't, she won't respond. There's blood on her, on her, on her hands and her, on the wall. He claimed he was kneeling down at his wife's body, that he was touching her body, that he was tilting her head back and moving her body and trying to render aid to her. I want you to kneel by her side. Okay. Close to her head. Okay. And bare her chest, okay? Okay, I'm by her chest, okay. Fentner wondered, why didn't McNaughton have any blood on him? There was blood soaked into the carpet around her body. If you knelt down next to her body, it would be reasonable to believe you have blood on your pants, on your hands. But McNaughton says it's more important that the police didn't find any scratches on his body when they looked. He says that helps prove he's innocent, since Kathy desperately tried to fight off her killer. She fought for her life. Her hands were cut up from the killer's instrument, and her fingernails were broken off from fighting the killer. But watch what happens when investigators even raise the possibility that McNaughton killed his wife. You're full of I didn't kill my wife. I love my wife. She loved me. And I'm tired of the questions. So you either arrest me or take me home. Police weren't ready to arrest anyone, but they were ready to clear someone. Very soon, they concluded Gary Mendenhall had absolutely nothing to do with Kathy's death. In fact, we actually got it down to an exact time frame where it's nearly impossible for one to believe that Mr. Mendenhall could have flown here from Texas, did the things that he did, murdered his ex-wife, clean up, get back, change clothes, and then meet with his daughters for dinner. Uh, the time frame didn't work out. It wasn't Mr. Mendenhall. Fentner continued his investigation. He got an earful when he talked to Heather and Michelle about McNaughton. They painted a picture of a selfish man that didn't like his wife that much. They said that he was argumentative, that he was very controlling and, and domineering. 
At the same time, Fentner was being inundated with calls about McNaughton. Some of the calls were from people who knew McNaughton very well. We received calls from his own siblings who called us and said, hey, I want to be off the record because I'm scared of him, but I think my brother did it. His own family? Correct. If you talk to people in prison, if somebody gets arrested or accused of murder, the family turns against them nine times out of ten. Well, I don't know about that, Mr. McNaught. I mean, I, I, I don't think my family would call and say he's a murderer. If, uh... I didn't think so either, Richard. All of them expressed a, 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 an extreme fear of Alec. And that's just something else that you add to this pile of things that are, that are mounting against him. Why is everybody afraid of you? Fentner was about to find out. The police found those three disposable cameras in Kathy's closet with unprocessed film inside. We knew we had to find out what was on them. They say every picture tells a story. And this one was a shocker. Everything that my mom knew about Alec was all the good things, like everything that he had achieved, everything that he had acquired, his accomplishments. At least that's what Heather thought. But in May 2006, a year and a half after Kathy married Alec McNaughton, Heather had a terrifying phone call with her mother that began with a dinner invitation. She said that she'd love to come to dinner, but she couldn't. She sounded funny on the phone. I just, you know, kept pushing her a little bit, and she said, I, I can't. Soon, Kathy confided in her daughter and told her a shocking story that her husband, Alec McNaughton, had beaten her. She was on her way to work, and he had violently followed her out to the car, opened the car door, and pulled her out, and took her by the hair, and was, like, literally, like, dragging her. Dragging her by her hair? Mm-hmm. He was in violent rage. She said that there's no way that she could like be seen in public. But McNaughton says he and Kathy had only a small argument over a car. He says he tried to grab the keys from Kathy in the driveway, and she fell off her high heels. She fell off her heels as we were struggling and skinned her elbow, I think, and her knee and her chin. She now, fell off her heels? Yeah, she stumbled and we fell. She got scuffed up. What did you think? I was frightened. I'm like, well, did you call the police? She's like, no, I did not call the police and I'm not going to. Instead, Kathy started her own investigation of Alec and even kept a secret file, notes and undeveloped photos in disposable cameras. Police found it all hidden inside her closet. I took the three disposable cameras to a local developer here in the area. When I got it back, I was shocked. There were pictures of her doing this, holding her hands up. And there's a huge bruise on her face, and she's got bruises and scratches on her arms. McNaughton has his own explanation for all the bruises. He says, Kathy's ex, Gary Mendenhall, must have done it. I just knew he had done that. You're saying that Gary Mendenhall 
beat her up. That's my opinion, yes. But that was not investigator Jason Fentner's opinion. Heather told him that McNaughton had beaten Kathy, and Fentner knew those photos could be a key piece of evidence against McNaughton if the police could answer some crucial questions. One of the first questions that came up then was, who took these photos? The photographer had to authenticate the photos, say when the pictures were taken, and if Kathy said Alec had injured her. How come nobody's called to say, hey, I took pictures of her when she was beaten up? The police began searching for the photographer, but there were other important things in Kathy's closet, very damaging notes about shady financial deals, and worse. She had written down that he threatened to kill me. Prosecutor Kevin McMurray. She describes all the lies he's told to her. Kathy was on to him, but she was conflicted. She compiled this list of pros and cons about McNaughton, and despite the abuse under pros, she wrote, sweet, loving, handsome. Under cons, she wrote, no sex, depression, bankruptcy. Allie McNaughton told us that they had a perfect relationship, that they had never had any physical altercations, that they, that they were deeply in love, and that they shared a, a, a wonderful marriage. But that sure looked like a lie. Kathy's daughter, Michelle, says Kathy and Alec were having a lot of problems and argued constantly about money. The marriage she basically was financing. And then, one night, the couple's disagreements over money exploded into a loud argument. And Alec McNaughton taped it. I always carry a tape recorder in my briefcase my whole career. She was out of control, so I just took my tape out so that if later on she said something, I'd just play it back and say, you lose your temper over minor stuff. I could tell from listening to it that she did not know she was being recorded. You could hear Kathy screaming at the top of her lungs at Allie. Investigator Jason Fetner says the recording backfired on McNaughton when Kathy began referring to the time she said he beat her. She says, I've got pictures, I've got affidavits. Yeah, that was right after we'd had the struggle in the driveway over the car, so I knew what she was referring to. But as it turned out, this was not the first time McNaughton was accused of abuse, as Fentner learned after tracking down McNaughton's first wife, Linda. And they said, Alec McNaughton has murdered his wife. Linda McNaughton had divorced Alec nearly 40 years earlier and my stomach sank to my toes. Despite the decades that have passed, she has never forgotten what she says her ex-husband did to her. He beat me with his fist, with a Coke bottle. He broke my nose, he fractured my jaw. He beat me hard. I never abused my wife or uh, any woman ever. The evidence against McNaughton was piling up his past, that tape, the photos of Kathy's bruises, her notes, and those cell phone records that seemingly proved McNaughton was not where he said he was on the day of the murder. Fetner called McNaughton in for a follow-up interview, and the former lawyer sneered at the evidence. 
I think the comment he made was, there's not a, a snowball's chance in hell that a jury would convict me on this. Well, that's very different from I didn't do this and they're lying. It is. It sounds like a challenge to me. And on February 27, 2009... Stand up, turn around, put your hands behind your back. Alec McNaughton was arrested and charged with murder for stabbing his wife, Kathy, more than 30 times. He was thrown in jail with no bail. They railroaded me. They put the blinders on that night. That homicide detective in his very first murder case was overwhelmed. He didn't know what to do. And he decided it was me right there at the scene and never considered anybody else. And now the prosecutors had one very big problem. They still had no idea who took those damning photographs. And without that crucial information, the law says the photos could never be shown to a jury. We had to connect it to the crime. We had to be able to show that it was Mr. McNaughton who had done this. All right. And the trial was about to start. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. As the murder trial of Alec McNaughton approached, prosecutor Kevin McMurray was haunted by the photographs Kathy McNaughton left behind. It became obvious that Ms. McNaughton was making an effort to preserve what had happened to her. But the law says if McMurray wanted to show those photos to the jury, he'd have to find the photographer. So he had to scramble. For the longest time, we really ran into some dead ends. We took these pictures to witnesses and asked, have you seen these injuries? Did you take these pictures? Are you familiar with any of this? And time after time, the people closest to her said no. The trial was only a month away, and McMurray was getting desperate. He finally turned to Delta Airlines, where Kathy had worked, to see if she had asked anyone there for help. And that was the turning point. It was. At the point that I saw her, it was obvious she had bruises on her body. Sandra Harmon was a counselor who did some work with Delta. Kathy looked very disheveled. Sandra says Kathy told her McNaughton had attacked her outside their home just the day before. 
The first thing Kathy did when she sat down was to ask me if I would take pictures of her. Sandra agreed to take the photos and now found herself thrust into the middle of a murder trial. Now, Ms. Harmon, did you have any confusion over whether or not she was talking about her current husband or someone that she had been previously married? Oh, absolutely no confusion whatsoever. She was very clear. And you understood it to be, to be who? Um, Alec McNaughton, her husband. She's lying if she says that my wife said that I beat her up. McNaughton, who was a practicing lawyer, says Sandra's testimony is nothing more than hearsay. Why would she make that up? Because she's the star, Richard. She's the prosecution star witness. She's the surprise. She seemed like a liar to you? People don't lie intentionally, but people get persuaded by the police when they're the star witness in a high-profile murder case. It happens all the time. Those photos were powerful evidence, and McNaughton's defense lawyer, Michael Cam, could not make them disappear, even though... This actually looks like I've cut this handkerchief in two. If you were he happens to be a semi-professional magician. Cam says the law is a lot like magic, all about altering perceptions. There was a complete lack of evidence. Clearly, this was a violent death. I mean, she had numerous, numerous stab marks. There was blood all around her. There was blood under her. He had no bruises. There was nothing to indicate that somebody had actually cleaned up the crime scene. There was no um, evidence of his DNA on her fingernails. But the prosecutors had more damaging evidence. Call your next witness. They put all three of McNaughton's ex-wives on the stand. His first wife, Linda, describes what she says happened after she refused to have sex with him. He then beat me badly. How did he beat you? Could you please describe that? With his fist and with a Coke bottle. She's lying. There's no witness alive that corroborates her story. McNaughton's second wife, also named Linda, tells jurors what she says happened the one time she said no to her then-husband. And he grabbed me by either shoulder and just slung me over into a glass-top dining table that, that fell over. Were you scared of the defendant after he threw you? I was scared of him before that. Second wife, did you throw her into a coffee table? And I pushed her out of the way. She's exaggerating. She's not lying. But it is Susan Knox, McNaughton's last wife before Kathy, who tells the most frightening story. She says there was always tension between Alec and their daughter Alexis, but it got dangerous one night when McNaughton pulled out a shotgun. I just said, uh, Alec, what are you doing with that gun? What was his response? He said in a very slow, monotone voice, he said, I'm going to kill Alexis and then I'm gonna kill you, and then I'm gonna kill myself. Alexis was in another room listening to it all and dialed 911. Oklahoma City 911. I, um, I just woke up, my parents have had a huge fight last night and I was listening downstairs and my mom woke up and my dad said he's gonna kill us and, and he's capable of doing that, so. Okay, we'll send an officer out there. Officers calmed everyone down and took away McNaughton's shotgun. 
that normal behavior? Oh, of course not. I mean, it's, it's emotional behavior. My daughter is 18 and brilliant and beautiful and admitted to uh, Barnard College at Columbia. And, and, you know, her life's work is there in front of her, and she decides to drop out of high school. Would you have shot her? Of course not. I've never shot anybody in my life, not even a bird. The testimony of McNaughton's three ex-wives is hugely important. It was devastating. Although McNaughton doesn't seem to notice. He thought everybody loved him. He thought he was the smartest guy in the room, no matter what room he was in. I'm showing you what's been marked and admitted as State's Exhibit 10. In this room, the courtroom, someone needs to explain McNaughton's side of the story. I didn't kill my wife. I love my wife. And Alec McNaughton decides there's no one better than Alec McNaughton. You did not want him to take the stand? I did not. Did you tell him that? Yes, and not so politely either. I said, you are so arrogant and unlikable, I'm afraid that you're gonna blow it when you take the stand. But McNaughton insists. So when you heard them stand up and say, we call Alec McNaughton, what was your first thought? Uh, my first thought was this is a rare opportunity. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. My name is Alec McNaughton. Alec McNaughton is either the smartest man in this courtroom or the dumbest. You understand that you have a right to remain silent? Yes, sir, I do. The alleged killer is about to gamble his freedom on his way with words. He can't get death, but he could get life. I hoped that Mr. McNaughton would take the stand. As he takes the stand in his own defense. He underestimates everyone else, overestimates his own abilities, and the result is he's easily trapped in his lies. Defense lawyer Michael Cam wastes no time getting to the heart of the matter. Alec, did you kill your wife, Kathy McNaughton? No. One question, that's it. Cross-examination, Mr. McMurray. Immediately, prosecutor Kevin McMurray begins tearing apart McNaughton's story about where he was on the day his wife was murdered. He wasn't as smart as he thought he was. McNaughton has always maintained that at 2.30 that day, he was already at his mother's house about an hour away in Sandy Springs, Georgia, when he called home and left a message. Hey, honey, it's me. I'm up at mother's. The cell phone records show he was actually within a few miles of his home. You were not in Sandy Springs 
at 2.33 p.m. on February 15, 2009. Isn't that true? It's not true. I was. I was at my mother's. So those records are wrong? They are. That phone call was absolutely critical to this case from the very beginning, and it was Mr. McNaughton's fatal mistake. McNaughton talked to police early in the investigation. Detectives poked holes in his story almost immediately, and prosecutors say McNaughton should have known better, considering he's a lawyer. Had he not talked to the police initially, it would have been a very, very difficult case to prosecute. And why did you talk to them? Because I wanted to find out who killed my wife. And, and I, I, I would have done anything. And so that, that need to find out who had killed my lovely wife overrode my legal judgment. But investigator Jason Fentner thinks McNaughton had another reason. He did his best to mislead that, that dumb redneck investigator. Who's that dumb redneck I investigator? I think that's me. You told investigators that you had never hit Kathy McNaughton, but that wasn't true either. It is true. He clearly lied about a lot of things on the stand. That is untrue, isn't it? No, it's true. I knew what the truth was. Kathy's daughters, Heather and Michelle, watched McNaughton testify. I can't believe my mom was married to someone like this. Who is this person? I didn't hit her. I did not kick her. Even his own lawyer can see the effect McNaughton is having on those in the courtroom. I'm looking at the court personnel, and the expressions on their face changed, and they were giving me the... There are times during that cross-examination that what Mr. McNaughton said in the face of the evidence was so preposterous. There was a robbery. There was a robbery? Yes, sir. Was there a TV missing? No. Was there a computer missing? No. Was her watch taken? No. I think everyone, myself included, sought to not visibly display our, our disbelief. That's a lie. McNaughton denies everything his accusers say about him. She's lying. I didn't know such things. That's not true. McNaughton has had his say. And now the lawyers get their last chance to persuade the jury. For the first time in my career, we have a case where the victim has spoken from the dead. She recorded what has happened to her with that man. And the evidence shows who killed Kathy McNaughton. There were no calluses on his hands, no cuts, no bruises, no blood, no DNA. The only, only verdict you can render is Alec McNaughton is not guilty of any offense. The jurors begin to deliberate on what looks to most people like an open and shut case. Obviously, I was nervous. That first night, the jury goes home. The waiting and the waiting. No verdict. It was just torture. And then, at the end of the second day, the jurors announce they've decided. As to count one, malice murder. We, the jury, found the defendant guilty. Guilty of murder. Alec McNaughton, the man Kathy once thought was her soulmate, is convicted of killing her, stabbing her more than 30 times in the home they shared. Were you surprised when you were convicted? Yeah, I, I was stunned. Mr. McNaughton, come forward, please. I still believe that justice will prevail, that my wife's killer will be found, tried, convicted, and executed. This is a question I ask a lot of people in your situation. 
What does justice feel like? It definitely doesn't do anything to fill the void. That she's not here, that we'll never physically see her again. I'll never hug her again. It doesn't, it doesn't help with those things. It also doesn't answer one lingering question. How did a woman like Kathy, a strong woman with friends, family, and money, end up a victim of domestic violence? I feel like if my mom had said one time's enough, you know, maybe she'd still be here today and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. And even though it is Alec McNaughton who stands convicted, it is Heather and Michelle who are left feeling guilty. For a good year, you know, that's all I felt. Guilt, guilt and regret that I didn't say anything. And then I just kept it, you know, to myself, that I didn't speak up when I had the chance. And, you know, you can't, it was too late. Alec McNaughton was sentenced to life in prison. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries. And as the name suggests, it's a show about medical mysteries, a genre that many fans have been asking us to dive into for years, and we finally decided to take the plunge, and the show is awesome. In this free weekly show, we explore bizarre, unheard of diseases, strange medical mishaps, unexplainable deaths, and everything in between. Each story is totally true and totally terrifying. Go follow Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick... From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.